Whether you're hitting the road on your way to work or just hitting snooze. Broadcasting live and local. This is, is Lee Faulkner on 864 Triple M. And welcome to the podcast version, uh, your opportunity to sit back, catch up on some of the things you miss, some that you might want to hear again, and some of the things that don't always make it to air. And boy, oh boy, what a couple of days it was. At the end of last week, we had this massive rain event, uh, which uh, really caused a lot of disruption to our part of the world and some devastation once again. 11 years on from uh, our flooding event in 2011 for those down in the Lockyer Valley. And uh, obviously we spent a fair bit of time talking about that. The other side of that is that the Toowoomba CBD getting a little bit of uh, minor flooding around Russell Street and the chance that we were going to see a bit more. It uh, meant that people didn't go and visit some of their local haunts that they might have over the weekend. And then we continued our taste of Toowoomba campaign. And uh, I caught up with Sally from the Bungalow and Baskets in Ruthven Street uh, to remind people that uh, wherever you can, get out and support one of our local businesses who've been doing it a bit tough. Good morning, Lee. Gee whiz, it's been a tough time, hasn't it? Let's be honest. I know I know. The, as in the industry, you guys are so stoic and I know you're going to say, oh, look, you know, everybody's doing it tough. But it has been tough. If it's not restrictions that have kept uh, customers away because of COVID, as I say, weather events uh, that kept mm-hmm. customers away this weekend, uh, that really doesn't help, does it? It doesn't, no. But we have built such an amazing community of um customers that have become friends that have been so supportive of us over this period of time. So in those times of need, they have really shown up for us, which has been wonderful. So it has been tough. I feel that the hospitality industry has had a lot of restrictions put on it as opposed to other industries. Um, So yeah, it is a struggle, but we have been so beautifully supported by our wonderful customers. So, oh, fantastic. Yes, well, that is great grateful. to hear. Yeah. Well, you can always use more customers. So if you haven't yes. been there to the Bungalow <laughs> and Basket, get in. Uh, I can tell you they do a fantastic hot chocolate, uh, but uh, plenty of great coffee and other wonderful things. You're open Tuesday to Saturday. Uh, is that correct. right? And uh, you open correct. most mornings 8 o'clock uh, through 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So even after the, right. you pick the kids up from school, there's time there. Saturday's 9 to 1 if you're downtown doing some uh, Saturday shopping uh, mm-hmm. and of course alongside the uh, uh, beautiful coffee that you do you've got a great range of cakes and goodies yeah we do we um, we have our standard um, menu um, which we um, carry through all week but then on Wednesday we do a feature bake so um, a recipe that I haven't made before features on a Wednesday and we repeat that again on the Saturday for those that miss the Wednesday um, treat and then we um, do scones on a Friday and that's very very popular um, and then Tuesday is bagel day so mm. um, yes so we kind of try and mix things up but we always have our standard carrot cake which is a Crowd pleaser. Everybody loves it. <laughs> they and, do. I see a yeah. lot of photos of your carrot cake on social yeah. media. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. Yes. Um, so, and we have, um, we carry just a gluten free blueberry muffin, is our gluten free option that we carry every day, which is also another major um, favourite of everybody's. So, and the bungalow bread is another thing that we have, which is a banana raspberry macadamia loaf, which we toast and put some butter on, which will be, I think, a little bit of indulgence come winter. It always seems to do well. So, yeah. Absolutely. And it's a really warm and welcoming space that you've got there too. Oh, I, thank you. I, 
think it's just lovely the way you've got it. You know, the decorations. The, uh, it's a, as I say, you, you feel like you're sort of, you know, sitting in uh, in somebody's uh, home as opposed to just a, a cold business. Well, that was our intent, um, to have the kitchen open. So you felt like you were actually coming to a friend's place to have a coffee and a chat. And um, we have really, um, I think we have essentially encapsulated that. So, yes, we, we love being in our space and welcoming new people in for their first visit and also, you know, ones that have been around for, you know, seven years. So, yeah, we enjoy our time in our space. Hmm. Well, we can't encourage you enough to support our local hospitality business and maybe it's starting with a trip to the bungalow and basket uh, <laughs> just next to the uh, Heritage Bank there in the Heritage Bank Centre at uh, on Ruthven Street. And you can go there today uh, because they'll be open till four o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Sally, thank you very much for your time oh, this morning. Thank you, Lee. Really Great appreciate segment it. segment to have. So thank you for that. We appreciate the call out. So, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, there's a bit happening in the boxing scene uh, on an international, national and even local stage uh, and there's only one person I talked to that about, uh, my good mate and a uh, former local who has the number one platform to find out what's happening in the boxing world around the country and around the world before the fights. You can check it out. And Rob Scheif joins me for breakfast. G'day, mate. Mate, how are you? I'm well. Uh, there is, as I say, plenty of action, uh, including our own boy Stevie Sparks. So uh, obviously, he went up against uh, a pretty tough customer in Tim Zoo with very little preparation, uh, and he's going to be fighting, I believe, on the undercard to the youngest Zoo. He absolutely is. He's going to be um, on the undercard for Nikita's uh, Zoo's debut against Aaron Stahl. Stevie Sparks, former Pittsworth lad, uh, making the move into Toowoomba and obviously homegrown Toowoomba guy, uh, training out of there with Smithy's Gym and look, a local hero by all means, faces River Daz uh, in what could be a, a tough fight. River Daz, a kickboxing crossover, but Stevie Spark got quite heated yesterday at the press conference and says that he's equal to the task. All right. Well, we wish him all the very best. He's a fantastic young bloke, and uh, I hope he goes very well there. And very interesting to see. What's the buzz around the youngest zoo? Is it the same sort of buzz that was around Tim when he first uh, got on the scene? Well, it is, but at the same time, it's also very different. Uh, Nikita and Tim, both by their own admission, uh, it, uh, described themselves very differently. Tim describes himself and Nikita describes Tim as a surgeon, but they both kind of describe Nikita more as a butcher. Mm. Uh, he won four national uh, titles as, a, as an amateur, was very decorated, had some time off. Uh, to pursue uh, an architecture uh, dream, but found out that sitting in front of the computer was nowhere near as much fun <laughs> as Tim's career started to uh, take off into the stratosphere. And now Nikita has decided that after uh, after a few years off, five years off, he's going to don the gloves back on and uh, get back in. And he now debuts on his own headlining card, which was going to be at the Brisbane Convention Centre, but due to the floods and what's going on in Brisbane, has now been moved to Nissan Arena for Thursday night, home of the Brisbane Bullets. Uh, we've got a big, big fight too coming up this month at the uh, on the 23rd, uh, when footy stars turn boxers Barry Hall and Sonny Bill Williams go head-to-head. Now, you know, five, six years ago, I would have said, tell you what, Barry, he's a big man, Barry Hall, and, and we knew he could uh, he could punch but has he got past his best and, and is he going to get a toweling up from Sonny Bill? Look 
everybody would have thought that uh, going back when, and looking at Sonny Bill's career, he was a New Zealand uh, heavyweight champion. Yeah. He was fighting legitimate boxers. But having that bit of time off and doing rugby, you know, playing rugby union in, in Tokyo, he's noticed that there is a bit of a, uh, a difference between being active and inactive, whereas mm. they all being very active over the last two years, having that fight with Paul Gallen. Gallen not wanting the rematch tells you a lot about where uh, Barry Hall is in the way of skills. He was a former amateur champion as well. Sonny Bill Williams taking, uh, you know, is uh, making sure that he uh, turns over every stone. He went to England with Tyson Fury and Joe Parker and spent quite a lot of time over there in training camp. Uh, so it's going to be very, very interesting. March 23rd looking huge. All right. Big month coming up in boxing. If you want to know what's happening, B, the uh, letter B, then the number four, the fights. Go and check it out for yourself and some of the very best interviews you'll see with some of the biggest talents that we've got. Shay and uh, Rob, mate, as always, uh, thank you uh, for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Mate, absolute pleasure. Love it. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And from TikTok videos of young people showing how to hotwire and drive abandoned tanks to a president who can play chopsticks with his bed flute, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is going viral and people are engaged. The latest is a video doing the rounds supposedly of a Ukraine driver pulling alongside a stationary tank and mockingly asking the invaders if they need a tow back to Russia, prompting roars of laughter from all involved. The video marks the latest in a series of humiliating encounters for the Russian army as Ukraine continues its heroic stance against the invading force. And meanwhile, the President Volodymyr Zelensky is becoming as famous and beloved around the world as he already is in his own country. You see, Zelensky was a comedian and actor before becoming president. He's been praised around the world for remaining to fight alongside his soldiers, despite being offered numerous opportunities to leave with his family following Russia's invasion. Most famously, Zelensky starred as a teacher who inadvertently becomes president of Ukraine in three seasons of a show called Servant of the People. The series ended in 2019, the same year in which Zelensky launched and eventually won a real campaign to become the president. He was also the voice of Paddington Bear in the Ukrainian versions of Paddington and Paddington 2. And in another video released to the World Wide Web, Zelensky appears in an episode of Ukraine's Got Talent where he plays several pieces on a baby grand with his old fella. The T.C. He played that with his, well, you know, and it's still better than this. Take me to the April sun in Cuba. Oh. <laughs> you cannot be serious! Paul Antonio joins me in the studio. Good morning. Morning, Lee. We've had an exciting time in the last few days. Boy, oh boy. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and really, uh, we dodged the worst of it, so, you know, probably in a big way, thanks to the $200 million worth of flood mitigation uh, in our city. Absolutely. Uh, I took the time to go and have a good look, particularly at the detention basin near the City Golf Club the Wilf Gowlett Detention Basin. Yes. And if anyone wants to go and see the benefit of detention basins, go and have a look at that. It, the water got right up to within a half a metre or so of overflowing. Yes. But it held that water and it discharged that water at a rate that stayed in the creek. Now, I am assure you that that stopped the CBD of Toowoomba being flooded. Yep. 
There's no doubt about well, that. When you I'm saw thankful the, the for that work video that was done. footage that some of the councillors were taking of that raging water through those creeks and waterways, I yes. uh, and you know none of it spilling over into the streets. If it had been coming through the street, of course we have a repeat of 2011. So absolutely obviously, uh, not the case. Now there obviously is still some controversy surrounding one end of uh, of Russell Street, and I know that you're determined to you know talk more about that and, yes. and have a look at that, but. You know, we also have to consider the volume of rain that we got on that day. Uh, you know, I think we got, you know, three or four weeks worth of rain in a day. Now, Absolutely. You know, um, I, I, can you ever really prepare for that in the Fair Income Department? On that Thursday, I, I emptied my rain gauge at 6am. I went back at 6pm and by 150 millimetre rain gauge, mm. and I live on the edge of the range and uh, up near uh, the range crossing, and uh, my rain gauge had overflowed. So we had at least 160 mil of rain that yep. day where I am. And, of course, where I am, the water runs down to uh, my good friend down the Lockyer Valley, Tanya Milligan. I don't think she's too pleased about that. But no. anyhow, if you saw what happened down in Withcott, yeah. goodness gracious me, those poor people and the water that went through there. Uh, but, look, in saying all of that, uh, we really dodged the bullet. And I was very proud to sit with my colleagues, the, the, well, the workers who worked for council in that emergency management area. Uh, and I did three days in the uh, LDMG Central Point. And the money that we have spent, the $200 million on infrastructure, but also the other valuable thing is very clearly the technology that we're using now. When we were talking about Oki, we could see the bridge at Oakey at any moment we wanted to and see what height the water was mm. to know where things were in Oakey. And Oakey too dodged the bullet. There's no question about that. Of course, we had some worrying moments when the Kuby Dam filled and it, it, of course, the water, once that fills, the water continues to run through Oakey. And uh, they, have, as a matter of caution, uh, evacuated the retirement village there. And I think yes. that was a good thing to do. It's absolutely necessary. It was a very sensible, practical move. Uh, and of course, uh, Oki uh, sort of dodged the bullet to some degree too. There, there have been some issues there around the creek, but as far as I can see, uh, we've done pretty well. Uh, we were very, very fortunate. We didn't get the kind of rain they got on the coast. There were, yeah. I have a friend at Debra and they were getting about 150 mil a day, day in, day out. Uh, and uh, that's happening. Now, you know, if you, if you go further west, I know that uh, we at the our farming properties, we got 120 mil of rain, which is absolutely beautiful this time of the year because, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, coming into autumn, it's oats planting time, the most beautiful time of the year, and, uh, you know, that will help us a lot. But no, I think I praise the work that's been done, the design that's been done with those detention basins. I saw the creeks... Uh, uh, certainly staying within the boundaries of the creek. There's no doubt about that. Now, of course, we do know then with our technology, if it gets worse than that, we know to start removing people. We are so much better off now as a result of 2011 than we've ever been. And we've got a great way of responding to floods. We begin the, uh, the recovery now. And uh, my colleague, mm -hmm. Councillor Carol Taylor, will be leading that as the chair of that group. And we're looking forward to... Uh, checking those 130-odd roads, making sure they're okay, not opening them up until such time as they're safe. You know, and, of course, that old adage, if it's flooded, forget it. That's one worth worth following. Absolutely. And just on one final thing on that, the upside of that, of course, is we now have three full dams, uh, which is just brilliant. So, and maybe there is, you know, some talk about, well, if we'd had a fourth dam, it would probably be full as well. Uh, and I know you're passionate about <coughs> our water security here. 
Yeah, look, I think water security is important, but we need to look further down the track. But don't forget that because of a very strong relationship between uh, myself and uh, Minister Glenn Butcher, we now have an agreement about water coming from Wyvernhoe, yes. which has taken away that short-term worry we have. And uh, I thank Minister Butcher for his work in that area. And, of course, we'll be having some more talks to him about uh, the pumping capacity of the pipeline, all those sort of things. We must prepare for the future. And in preparing for the future, people like myself and my colleagues can leave really good legacies Absolutely. for this community. All right. Uh, we are talking with the Mayor of the Toowoomba Regional Council, Paul Antonio, and we will have more coming up in the next couple of minutes straight after this one from the Cure. We'll uh, talk some free parking in the Toowoomba CBD to encourage us to get back in there, uh, as well as that, the design starting on that Charlton Sports Precinct, which has got our sporting fraternity very, very excited. We'll talk about that and a couple of other things in the next couple of minutes. You're with Lee Faulkner, 864-triple-M, thanks to Whipple's Volkswagen. Uh, COVID, weather events, we want to encourage people back into our CBD. Part of that, uh, right now, uh, there is uh, a big change to the uh, car parking fees. Well, just temporarily, Lee, and uh, I'm not a a big fan of what's happened, actually. Uh, I think that we need to incentivise the building of off-street parking. Uh, And I've had a number of people come to me, and in the last term, to Councillor James O'Shea and myself, uh, they came and they wanted to invest in parking in Toowoomba. But our parks in the street are too cheap. You go to Brisbane. I went down there one night for dinner and uh, I, you know, three hours later, I come back to my car, $57. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, not expecting we go to that level. No. But, you know, you can There's build car parks now between. and, you know, an individual can buy, an, you know, under, a, under an arrangement, can buy an individual park mm. and that can be their park. And, you know, people might buy them as an investment. I don't know. I think there's an opportunity. And we had these people who'd been building car parks in Townsville, in Darwin, and a number of other places of similar size to Toowoomba. And their problem was the parking in Toowoomba was too cheap. Now, we're seeing people in the, in the, in the main street just keep shifting their cars every, every hour or whatever it might be. Yeah. That's not what we want. We want them to be encouraged to let the people who want to trade with the businesses park in the main street. Yeah. That's what we want. Uh, and, and so, look, I think we've got to give it a lot more thought. And some, some of my colleagues are, are feeling similarly about it. Uh, this is okay now. Okay, we're going through a difficult period and, you know, we're doing all we can to trade, spend our money in this community. In fact, it's amazing, the figures, and I'll bring them along next time yep. and tell you those figures. Uh, I, um, it's amazing how we've changed what we do to a large degree. We're incentivising local businesses. Yes. And they are getting, uh, well, about 65% of our spend. If you look at the state government, 25% of their spend That's goes, it. To, goes to Queensland. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think the figure was around $101 million in the last financial year uh, that I read in, uh, in the report. So, I, you know, that's a lot of money that is being injected by the council into the, the local area. And you're about to inject even more into our local region with uh, the design now starting on this Charlton Sports Precinct as we lead yeah. towards those Olympic Games and making sure we're capitalising that. But also future-proofing because, you know, I don't know how many times you've sat here with me and you've said... You know, what what a wonderful legacy it is that those people all those years ago did with Queen's Park. Absolutely. And I think there will be people, you know, long after you and I aren't talking on this radio station, but other people are, who will be saying, right, what a legacy that was, that this sports precinct, now that we can expand sport in this region. Well, if you look at what happened at Highfields, and it's a totally different type of a 
well, it's a rather different type of sporting venue, but that serves the northern side of Toowoomba in a brilliant way. Yep. Now, this is a regional sporting complex. It will take roughly 20 years to build with the funding streams we have. Yep. It will cost about $200 million on today's terms, but it will have a lot of facilities there. Some of those facilities, hopefully, would be appropriate for use when the Olympic Games come in 2032. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of facility, just finally this morning, uh, it's in the uh, in the paper today. I uh, I know you're not against the idea of uh, the Wellcamp Quarantine Hub, a uh, controversial that may have been being used to perhaps house people that have been displaced with the flooding emergency. Yes, I've been involved in that discussion from uh, a few days ago, and I think. Uh we certainly have had the one, as I worked in that emergency headquarters, there was one family came in, a father and three children. They were put up, we put them up at Crow's Nest and I thank the people at Crow's Nest for being so generous to put those people up. Uh, but uh, I think with the number of people who've been displaced in the Lockyer Valley and those kind of areas, yeah. I think this is an appropriate thing to do. I feel sorry for my good friend uh, Tanya Milligan down the Lockyer Valley and the people of the Lockyer Valley. They've really copped it. Yeah. They have really copped it. And uh, that Channel 7 reporter that says that the water comes from Toowoomba, floods the Lockyer Valley, then goes into the Wyvernho Dam, I'm going to try and ring them today and just get them... A, direct them in the right way. I think they've got that all back the front. Yeah. Water does not run uphill. No. <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> no, uh, I've been talking to uh, Tanya on a regular basis. Uh, talking to Tanya on a regular basis. We're here to help. You know, the number of people who've offered their help for us, yep. we've really got things under control. And look, I sat with the emergency, emergency management people for three days, starting at about 6am of the morning and working right through. And they're amazing people. They're giving their time, their effort, because they love this community. And uh, I, I really praise them for the work that they've done. Uh, now we go into recovery. The other thing I'd like to mention is the federal assistance grants. Uh, you know, uh, we depend very heavily on external funding. As I've told you many times, it's been halved, the level of funding that comes our way holistically. But recently, we've had a cut in federal assistance grants that's equivalent to an 8% uh, rate rise. Mm. So we have to, we, we certainly won't be an 8% rate rise, but we are going to have to cut our cloth. And that is not good. There's a lack of respect by the other two levels of government for the community builders who just happen to be local government. Yeah. Uh, the Mayor of the uh, Toowoomba Regional Council, Paul Antonio, uh, as always, thank you for your time this morning. Really thank appreciate Thank you so it. much, Lee, and thanks very much for the work that you guys do here and right. how you promote this community. It's 11 to 8 with Lee Faulkner, 864 be serious! Yes, I'm serious, and this could have saved us all a lot of pain and heartache if only he'd spoken up sooner. A fisherman in the US claims he was warned about the COVID-19 pandemic and World War III after being abducted by aliens almost 50 years ago. Calvin Parker says he kept the visions to himself until recently when he decided to reveal his claims of abduction 50 years prior, as he now fears they're coming true. So, a bit like telling everyone you knew who was going to win the Melbourne Cup 20 minutes after the race. The 68-year-old claims he was fishing on the banks of a river in Pascagoula, Mississippi, with his friend Charlie Hickson, when they claim a UFO landed nearby. Now, at this point, it might be prudent to remember this was the 1970s. Because I got high, because I got high. <laughs> yes, quite. He then said he was shown terrible events from humanity's past, present and future during his close encounter back in 1973. Now, I'm sorry for being a Sally sceptic, but... 
isn't that the plot of A Christmas Carol? Anyway, Ebenezer, uh, sorry, Calvin, then claims he was warned of a plague caused by mankind. He was told the plague would kill millions, cause food shortages, and people will fight and steal other people's things just to survive. Um... Did someone say Mad Max? The then 19-year-old claims he was grabbed by strange creatures with lobster-like claws and carrot-like noses and ears, which sounds like some sort of apocalyptic Frosty the Snowman. He was then attacked by a female alien on board the UFO who scratched his eyes with her long fingernails. He then strangled her after she shoved her finger up his nose possibly an early form of COVID testing. He also claimed that his second vision was of a coming World War III, adding, there's going to be a great war putting nation against nation. Well, that's usually how a war works. But then he boldly claimed humanity would turn a corner and everyone would come back together and begin to slowly heal. And his stories being backed by such credible sources as British UFO investigator Philip Mantle, who conveniently has published Calvin's book, Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter. Rip off! You cannot be serious! (laughs) 